Hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Explode Your Expert Business Show, brought to you by gtex.org.uk. I'm your host, Simone Vincenzi, and this is the podcast for experts who want to become the ultimate authority in their niche while making an impact in the world. And today is episode 280, Saving the Oceans, One Pair at a Time, with Flavio Affinito. And in this episode, uh, we are talking about something completely different than what we normally talk about. Uh, We're talking about uh, uh, environment. We're talking about how we can save the planet, one flip-flop at a time. We're talking about uh, how COVID-19 is actually affecting negatively our ocean pollution and uh, what to do about it. And how our ocean plastics are destroying our planet. Now, why do we talk about this in this episode? Because um, a big part of GTEx and our mission is uh, to raise consciousness and awareness about environmental issues and global issues that we have. Of course, uh, we are here to run businesses, we are here to make money, we are here to serve clients, but at the same time, we can't do this uh, destroying our world. That's one of the big reasons why I became vegan eight years ago in the first place. And uh, I became, I was an activist for a long period of time. I strongly believe that we need to have, uh, to really look at ourselves and be socially responsible for what we are putting out there and what we are creating. And that's why we decided to derail a bit from the normal business topics that we talk about on this show and uh, take a step back see what can what are we doing for our planets what resources are out there what incredible people like Flavio are out there working uh, making an impact uh, on the ground in fact Flavio is a marine biologist turned entrepreneur and after working in research he decided he wanted to have a measurable impact on the oceans he loves when he discovered the flip-flop pollution crisis he set out to find a solution for this disaster and you will absolutely love the creativity and the genius of Flavio and his team and how they came together to solve this problem. So you're absolutely going to love this episode. Now, before we go ahead, now remember one thing that if you want to grow your audience, getting featured on publication is one of the fastest way. And finding the right publication, though, can take ages. And, you know, how do you connect with journalists, podcasters in the right way? How do you follow up to get the most of every feature you have? Uh, And this is why my team and I have spent an entire month and more than £2,000 consolidating four years of data on the global publications that are looking for contributors. We have created the ultimate publicity bundle where you will get access to a curated database of more than 500 media publications that are looking for speakers, 100 plus podcasts looking for guests, my templates on how to connect with journalists, my follow-up framework to maximize every single speaking opportunity you have, and all of this for £29.99, only £29.99, but just for a limited period of time. So there is a link below. Make sure you click the link in the show notes where you can find the uh, ultimate publicity bundle. Uh, Get it right now before we take it down and we increase the price. Now, also, if you want to read the transcripts and get bonus resources, visit or watch the video of the interview, visit www.gtex.org.uk forward slash 280. So gtex.org.uk forward slash 280. And if you have not subscribed yet, what the heck are you waiting for? 
make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any other incredible episode. Now, I know that's enough uh, for me to say, hey, Simone, shut up. I want to listen to Flavio and I, I get you, I get you. So I'm going to shut up and enjoy episode 280, Saving the Oceans One Pair at a Time with Flavio Affinito. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of Explode Your Expert Business Show. And today I'm here with the one and the only Flavio Affinito. How are you doing, Flavio? Hi, good morning, Simone. I'm doing really well. Yeah, nice and healthy and happy. <laughs> All right, so we're going to talk about saving the world, in particular, um, saving the environment, going specifically into saving our oceans. And right now, in this particular time in history, I think it's a time where us as a human being, as species, we, we are forced to look at the choices that yeah. we make. Uh, now, before we go into that, and I've got a few questions to ask you um, about this. What is one, I'm asking this uh, question to all my guests at the moment. What is yeah. uh, one thing you're learning uh, from this lockdown, either about yourself or about business? Oh, that's a good question. I think the, um, the main thing I'm, I'm, I'm seeing from, the, from this lockdown is um, just starting to realize how rushed I always am. And uh, how rushed to like catch up to others as a small startup and always trying to like catch up, catch up, catch up, mm. uh, seeing that not necessarily need to catch up. And uh, it's, it's nice to see that, you know, everyone else is also slowing down and starting to realize that the things that matter are not necessarily just business as usual. And uh, mm. yeah, this feeling of, of not having to catch up is, uh, mm. is really great. Uh, how are you going to take this learning forward? Um, I think the, the main, the main thing from this learning is to, is in my, my setting of priorities. Mm. The, what I'm really seeing right now is, is that I can deal with things that I wasn't seeing as priorities or even just putting under the carpet things that I knew were kind of important, but I just right. didn't have time because I had to prioritize other things because I had to catch up. And, uh, and I think now with this, with this having had time to catch up, I can now look at priorities again in a new way and be able to set mm. priorities more effectively. Yeah, well, thank you for sharing. I, I definitely can totally feel the same. Um, this has been a, a big learning for me too. Um, I'm always looking to be more and big, build more and expand the business. And uh, this has been a time where we're forced to actually slow down, uh, look yeah. at a different way to restructure the business. You know, we are on an event business. We had to reschedule about 150 events in one week. So <laughs> and we were, it's kind of forcing us to see, okay, how you're running your business, how you're running your life. I mean, I never told to my mom uh, as much as I'm talking now for the past <laughs> probably 10 years. Yeah. Now we talk every day. So um, is that this small thing or even having dinner with my wife? Uh, um, mm well before i was out almost every evening running events and speaking and that made me yeah. realize oh. so it is um i can totally relate with you and um the reason why i asked you why how you're going to move this forward because i had a conversation with my wife about this recently and we said you know what how are we going to move these things forward I was like, okay that, that's a very good point because it's, then it's easy to get caught up and yeah going and go back to what was the normal the, the our norm before well, thank you for sharing. I know you have a huge passion for uh, the environment and in particular the oceans um, yeah. that led you to create a company 
that takes a, a no recyclable element that you can find in the ocean and create wearable goods. Totally, and yeah. What, where is this passion for oceans and for the environment comes from? You know, something, it's kind of funny because anyone who knows me will, will say that that's always been there. And even for me, I feel like there's an element of it's always been there because from a very young age, I was actually, so I'm half French, half Italian, mm-hmm. where my parents are from. I've never actually really lived in either of the countries <laughs> in Belgium. Uh, so, you know, completely yeah. <laughs> fit all over the place. And I was born there, lived there for one year, and then we left and we moved to the Caribbean for four years. And mm-hmm. And I like to think probably that's where it was born because otherwise I can't see, I don't see where in my, his, my story, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm probably living these four years there in the, essentially mm. the beach for four years. The only thing there was for me to do as a kid was be in the water, right? There's, there's nothing to do in the Caribbean. Right? It's, nice, it's nice for holidays, but when you live there as a child, there's, there's really nothing else to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I spent a lot of time in the, on, the, on the beach, in the water. When I came back to Europe, I became a competitive swimmer. And throughout, throughout my, my school years, <clears throat> I always knew I wanted to do marine biology and mm-hmm. I wanted to study like whales. That was my... That was my right, right, right. So you were obsessed from, an, from a young age, you were already <laughs> obsessed about marine biology. Yeah. About, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, totally. There was this like North Star that mm. I wanted to study whales and I took my parents on holidays to go see whales. <laughs> I would, I would pick the destinations where we could go see where right? wow. it, was, it was that kind of. How old were you at the time? Uh, I think probably at, when I was really young, it was just animals. And then the whales probably around 13 is when it started. Right. Right. Like 12, 13, where it was like, really, it has to be whales. And Marie- <laughs> the obsession started. <laughs> exactly. Like right. my brother hated it because he. <laughs> so the boat trips was the worst for him. And uh, yeah, so there was always that, right? And um, I did biology. I did, I did all of that stuff at, at school. So I did, I did well at school. And then I, I was going to go to university and I wanted to go to marine biology, to university. And to make my parents happy, I applied because I, I said I wasn't going to apply to Cambridge or Oxford because I didn't like the vibe in a way when I went to visit. Mm-hmm. So I applied to Imperial College uh, because it was also like good university. So I thought that made them happy. Yeah. And then I got the offer, which I didn't really expect because I, my whole application was for marine biology, not biology. And, uh, and they made me the offer for biology. So I thought, oh, okay, I should probably take it because it's, you know, it's a good university. So I went there and uh, I studied biology for, for three years. And I did a master's actually in statistics and ecology mm-hmm. uh, because it was a good skill and, uh, and it was really employable. And I still wanted to study marine mammals, <clears throat> but most of, it, most of my university career was kind of started to gear towards what should be done and what was the, what looked best on my TV versus what I really cared about. Uh, So when my, when I finished my master's, I actually got a job in in one week. I moved to Montenegro to go lead a research, a small research group over there and uh, then studying dolphins. So I spent, I spent six months studying dolphins over there, marine biology. And um, so you were back into, in your environment. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I was back in my environment and I was liking it, but because I was doing so much of the analytics, because that was my training, I started wow. almost, almost a computer monkey. Even though I was studying marine mammals, I was doing maths and I was yeah. writing reports and it, it was good, but I liked it because it was interesting, but there was something missing, right? It wasn't, there was- What was missing? What was missing for you? I just wasn't having fun. Mm. I would do something I was, I was good at, and, but it was also, it was still part of this kind of, this kind of stepping stone of, yeah. 
did my master's. I did, I did my degree. <clears throat> I did my master's. I got a job now. I'm going to get a bit of experience. Then I'll do a PhD. And then it was just this kind of constant up and up and up and up without ever really being wherever I was. And yeah. the passion was kind of almost lost in the middle of this, this drive to get somewhere. And how, so from there, how did you come up with the idea of starting, starting your company? Well, from there, it's actually, you know, when I came to the end of my contract in Montenegro, I had this, this really, one of my best friends who, um, who I met at university, studied biology with him, um, and we lived together during our university years. And I was about to move to, to Panama. Well, I was waiting mm. for an offer for a job in Panama. And uh, he called me and he's like, oh, why don't you come back and we do something together? Because I know you're doing well, but I, also, mm. I don't think you're happy. And I think we could do something better together. That's hmm. told me cash. Like, I think you could be happier here. And right. I was like, maybe. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say yes. Right? I said, if you don't get the offer by the beginning of June, or they hmm. say no, I come back. If they say yes, I go. So right. what happened is that I actually, they, didn't, they just didn't answer before June. So I came back. Mm-hmm. And I got the offer two weeks later. But... <laughs> <laughs> at any point, you made a decision, back, right? I, exactly. I told my, I told Terry, my my co-founder. I told him, look, I was coming back. We'll do something together. At that point, we had no idea what that something was. We just knew we were going to do, we were going to start something together. Mm-hmm. Turned down the offer from the Smithsonian in Panama, and um, <clears throat> and we sat down. Essentially, we moved into my mom's place because we we didn't, <laughs> you yeah. know, we just had a bunch of savings. We didn't even have an idea yet. And uh, yeah, we sat in my mom's place and we went to the, the living room. That's kind of where we lived for, for a few months. Mm-hmm. At the very beginning, we just sat there and both of us, I knew I cared about marine biology and I cared about the ocean. Terry cared about the environment. We both knew we wanted to create, we wanted to create something that was going to mm-hmm. make a difference and, uh, <clears throat> and be product-based. So we spent a few weeks just throwing, brainstorming at each other, a lot of ideas. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we took them out. We ended up with three main ideas that we took out to all the people we knew. We spent like hours messaging everyone in our contact. Yeah, yeah. Trying to see like, what do you think? What's your feedback? All that kind of stuff. And one of the ideas, which is one of the ones that was closest to me, was on working with unrecyclable ocean plastics. And, um, and people loved it. Like we got really good feedback. How did you choose that stage. one? How did you choose that one compared to others? Because, you know, when um, I'm really passionate about the environment and mm. my wife, uh, I told you uh, when we first met, um, my wife uh, uh, often MCs and hosts uh, one of the largest conferences uh, um, yeah. for social change, which is called Change Now. And when, I, when I'm there, when I was there, I was blown away by the amount of ideas and innovations that they were that are actually not mainstream that could mm-hmm. solve a lot of problems that we have on the planet. Yeah. And so how did you pick, uh, use the part of uh, the one in particular using no recyclable plastic compared to other solution that you might have come up with? Yeah, well, I think there was, um, there was something special with this idea that came up. Well, A, it just came close to home, right? It was marine, marine plastics. And yeah. it was just, there was really a passion there. It just fueled that passion again. And I was like, this is something I care about. So that was really one of the, the stepping stones. And then why these plastics? It's really because we knew, we knew there was a lot going on in the space of mm. plastics. There's on the news a lot. And there's a lot of, um, a lot of people are aware that it's happening. But there's also a lot of misconceptions in the fact that plastic is seen as 
it's all the same. It's all bad and you can, and you can all recycle it. But the truth yeah. is you can't. There's so many different types of plastics. And yes, we're doing a good job of getting rid of single-use plastics like the bags and so on, and a good job of dealing with bottles. And bottles are one of the main sources of plastic pollution. They're huge. Mm-hmm. But they're also really easy to deal with. So companies like Coca-Cola, Danone, and so on, they're buying a lot of that plastic waste because it's really easy to deal with, to reprocess, to recycle. And then it looks good because you mm-hmm. just, you're doing your sustainable goals. And I think it's great. It's really important that that be done. But then we also noticed that there's this huge amount of plastic pollution caused by foam plastics. And right. foam plastics is essentially anything you'll see on a trainer sole and the flip-flop. Because mm-hmm. we actually, on a world, world uh, scale, we produce 3 billion pairs of flip-flops. <laughs> yeah. Wow. wow. So that's, that's half the population's worth of flip, the world population's worth yeah. here of flip-flops. And most of them, they're plastic like the vast majority of them is plastic and mm-hmm. it's been designed in a way to be really durable and really light and mostly unrecyclable. Yeah. You know, whenever you go to beach cleans in, uh, in Africa, in Southeast Asia, in South America, one of the main things you pick up is flip-flops. There's just, there's plenty of them. So we just thought, you know, this is great that people are doing something about ocean plastics, but there's something missing here and that's mm-hmm. what we can do something about even though we had no idea how to do anything about it when we started. But, you know, this is something so we can how, do. How was, the pro- how was the process? How did you figure out, okay, so this is the problem we want to solve. Yeah. Um, how was the process to finding uh, the, um, the solution that you found right now? Yeah, so the process, the, the, so we knew we had the problem was, the, was the, these unrecyclable. Well, at that point, we still thought we could recycle them, but we knew we had to deal with these, these plastics. And... Mm-hmm we knew we wanted to create a product. Mm-hmm. So we thought about, okay, what can, what can we make with these sandals? And the most obvious scenario for us was, oh, we remake sandals out of those, out of those ways, right? So we thought, okay, this is where we are, this is where we want to go. And we also want to create a sandal that's going to be fully, like anything we create, we want it to be circular. We don't just want to be flogged mm-hmm. cycle product that is itself going to just end up right back where it started. So we had the entire vision of what we wanted to do use these, use this waste, make a product, make sure that product is responsible and reusable in itself. Mm -hmm. We just had to fill in the gaps of what can you do? So we started digging a bit, you know, where can we find most of the waste? And the places we knew best were Southeast Asia. And, uh, and we were, you know, digging a bit, we'd been to Indonesia, to Thailand. And, um, and we actually met this lady on, on LinkedIn, who, uh, who commented on one of my very early posts about this is what we're trying to achieve. But at that point, we had no idea what we were doing, which yeah. we were trying to do. And, uh, and she, I don't know, she liked or she commented one or the other. And uh, I was going through the people who reacted to my post just to have a look at who, who might not be people I knew. And I saw her name. I was like, okay. And she was working with waste management in, uh, in Bali. Right. Oh, that's, that's quite interesting. That could be, that could be good for us. So we started chatting and we realized she was actually beginning to deal with all a lot of ocean plastic waste, all that stuff. And she didn't know what to do with the flip-flops because they mm-hmm. were them and she didn't know what to do with them. And she invited us to come over and to start having a look and so on. So we did. We went to Indonesia. We, we, you know, we assessed the situation. We picked up a bunch of flip-flops ourselves. We spoke to recyclers locally to try and get a sense. And the bottom line was there's so many different types. They're so hard to tell apart. Some of them are recyclable. Mm. Some of them are not. Good chance. Good luck, guys. 
And we went home <laughs> with a suitcase full of flip-flops, like full of weight flip-flops. Yeah. Send them to people in, the, in, the, in Austria, in Italy, uh, in the UK. We tried many, many different things mm-hmm. um, until eventually we realized, you know, we can't recycle them. So we're going to have to find a simpler solution. And that's when we were introduced to another contact we have in Thailand who was working with these, these waste flip-flops for a couple of years. Yeah. We came up with him work and, um, and working with him now, we essentially make these sheets that allow you to upcycle rather than recycle. Mm-hmm. You can essentially reuse that waste without burning it because the main challenge is in recycling, you need to burn. You need to melt things. Yes. You can't do that with, with foam plastics because they don't melt, they burn. So you end up with just black tar, which right. is not very useful. And with him, we're actually upcycling. So we can reuse in a very low-tech method that actually allows us to reuse everything. So we don't even have to discriminate between, oh, this is this type of foam, this is that type of foam. Mm-hmm. We pick up everything and make these new sheets that allow us to produce, like create something new. Uh, and can this method be, I mean, you guys are focused on sandals. Uh, I know you're going to release other different products as well. But um, is, is this method useful of uh, upcycling? Um, useful to create other types of products uh, or there is, a, is there a limit to the type of product can be created? There's definitely a limit to the type of products you can make with, with materials we have, but it's also very early stage what we're doing right now. And uh, you know, we've, we've partnered uh, with universities actually here in the UK. So we've received European, um, European money, European research money to do some, some work here. So we're partnered with the University of Birmingham. We're talking with the South mm-hmm. University here. And with them, we're trying, we're trying stuff, essentially, because we have, we have all this material. We've got this process that gives us this sheet. And we know with this sheet, we can do a few different things, especially in construction, because it, it seems to fit quite well for some construction purposes. But it's really early stages. So there might be many other applications, and we're, we're looking into that. Well, and, th- and that's what we are, well, that's what we are doing as entrepreneurs. We create something out of nothing. We test, yeah. we try, we do different things. And I think that everyone is listening or watching right now. They can think about, okay, what can I do different to push the boundaries in my industry? And maybe you're in the consulting industry, maybe you're creating products or services, and maybe you have a passion yourself for the environment. Like I, I know that's how we connected. We both have a strong passion for yeah. environment, for social change, um, is one of our primary drivers. That's how we connected so well. Uh, when we met and I'm always thinking, okay, what, how can I do things different? How can I create something different? Whether it's on a service, you guys are working on product bay on product levels. Uh, but if you're listening or watching that, think about, okay, what can I do different that can create an impact in the world? What is something I'm pa- really passionate about solving and how can I go with that? Now, I, I, recently you put uh, an incredible, uh, really good LinkedIn article talking about how coronavirus is actually affecting ocean pollution. Yeah. Huh. So tell me more about that. Yeah, I was actually, because, you know, I keep up to speed with a lot of this stuff and because um, it's important to read more than just coronavirus news, especially in, in a space where we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. So we're... Uh, mm-hmm you know, still looking into what's the status of, of uh, fashion, of, yeah. uh, of ocean plastics, of the markets. And I came across this article that just pointed to the fact that, you know, uh, the cost of petrol has collapsed, both to do with coronavirus and, uh, sure. and the, the war, the trade war, well, not trade war, anyway, the, the conflict between Saudi Arabia and Russia. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the obvious impact of that is suddenly plastic is a lot cheaper. 
new plastic is suddenly really, really cheap because um, plastic is made from petrol. So if yeah. petrol is cheap, new plastic is cheap. And I was like, oh yeah, okay. Which suddenly makes recycled plastic relatively even more expensive than it already was. And when mm -hmm. I was like, wait, so this is, this is in itself is bad news, but how is that actually going to have an impact on ocean pollution? And I started looking a bit more and I realized, you know, so A, this is happening. So plastic yeah. is cheaper. B, a lot of recycling plants are closing. So because, you know, then a lot of them are not deemed essential. Sure. Anymore, they, they're closing. They're not operating. Then we have uh, a lot of consumer goods that are being wrapped in extra plastic to make them safer. And, you know, it's important that we stay safe as people and don't come into contact with the virus. But that means more plastic, more, more foodstuffs wrapped in plastic, more virgin plastic produced. And with the economy going down, if companies have to cut costs, how is like mm -hmm. are they going to keep to their promises of sustainability be from before the crisis? I don't know. I like yeah. that they will, but we also don't know what's going to happen. And it's yeah, there might be company thinking, well, because now plastic is so cheap, let me... Yep ramp up the production because it is going to be expense, more expensive later and maybe they yep. are dealing with kind of plastic that uh, they, they don't uh, take, use uh, recycled plastic for one reason or another yet. Yeah, um, and all the beach cleans are stopped. <laughs> like it's not uh, any of the, and all the NGOs, NGOs are really struggling as well because a lot of them depend mm. on donations and, you know, people, if they can't afford to pay their own rents, they're not going to be donating to NGOs. And, uh, so like a global knock-on effect that can exactly. start here that can result in a massive ocean pollution. So yeah. what, is a what is a message? If someone is listening right now, um, if you had, uh, you know, in front of you, um, imagine that this is like the, the BBC or the CNN, you're in front of millions of people, you have your key decision makers in front of you. Uh, what is a message that you want to send them? I think the message is that we all have to really be responsible. We all have to take responsibility for our actions and our use of plastic. Because plastic is not the problem. The problem is how we manage it and what we do with it. And it has mm -hmm. to come from all levels. You know, it has to come from the government needs to keep doing what it's doing, do more. Corporation needs to be, need to be held to account and deliver on their promises. And even us as individuals, we need to be aware of all the actions we take on a daily basis and how much of them are unnecessary or how much of them are making things worse. You know, it's not that hard. Mm -hmm to put things in the right recycling bin, yet it's not done, even in places like London. Yeah. So really just a matter of, if you say you care, then be responsible for your actions. Right, so if you say you care, be responsible for your action, you're listening, you know, we're talking <laughs> to you. Okay, so take action. Make a, our world that we're living in is our responsibility. I think that what coronavirus is alighting is how interconnected we are. Yeah. Um, and how and is showing it even more. Um, yeah, while sure. is the, is the first time in history that uh, we have an event which actually is affecting the entire world at this scale. Uh, not even wars. Even worse, generally, they were close to continents, not mm -hmm. to the entire world, um, and uh, at this scale. So it shows how interconnected we are. It shows how interconnected we have become. And uh, it shows how we have a responsibility to one another, just with self-isolation. Yeah. That's a, a very first example on how your action is going to impact the actions of and the results, or is going to affect hundreds of thousands of people just because they've been in contact with you. And the same things happen with the environment. So 
mm-hmm. remember this. Uh, now, Flavio, it's time to wrap up. Before we wrap up, though, I want to ask you a question. I ask all my guests: Is uh, the time of the interview where, which is called lifting the veil? Now, I'm not going to ask you to take your shirt off. Don't worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm gonna ask you to share one tool or an app or a book, something or a practice that you discovered recently, either for your business or in per- for your personal life, that is so good that is worth sharing. What is that for you? I think the main practice uh, that's made a difference for the business and for my life is just to find people who are going to be your mentors and who are going to be your advisors or however you want to call them. But five pe- find people who are there, who have your interests at heart because they, they share your vision and your passion and spend time with them on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. That's a practice. You know, that's something I still do. Even, even in this lockdown right now, I have my next call is with, with one of our advisors and uh and it's really important because it keeps it keeps me grounded to Good. to reality to what's happening and it takes us a lot further now nah, that's gold in particular in a moment where a lot of people are thinking about themselves um is a yeah. moment actually where you need probably more support yeah in order to keep going because yes things might be getting tougher and so what are you doing to make sure that you can perform at a high level. So yeah. great piece of advice. All right, Flavio, uh, if someone wants to reach out to you, how they, can they get in touch with you? How they can connect with you, work with you? Uh, what's the best way? Yeah, sure. I'm, uh, so I'm responsive on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is great. If you want to just put my name in there, there's only one of me. And uh, I'll be responsive there. And then also on the, if you go onto our website, <clears throat> sorry, newoceans.com, oceans. You'll find the newsletter there. You can, get, you can reach out to me through there and, uh, and our Instagram as well. All three of those are really good. All right. Instagram, LinkedIn, and newoceans.com with NU. Um, yes. Uh, the links are going to be in the show notes, so make sure you scroll down. You can find them if you're watching on YouTube, if you're listening on our, your favorite podcasting platform, you can check the show notes. Make sure you connect with Flavio because uh, this is the beauty of uh, connecting with like-minded people. If you have a passion for the environment, then you want to surround yourself with other people that have the same passion. You never know what you can create. So if you have something that you can contribute to what Flavio and his team are working on, then get in touch uh, so then uh, you can start a conversation in that way. Or if you have any relevant contacts, the work that Fabio uh, and Steam are doing are, is, is incredible and is needed right now for the sake of everyone's on the planet. So, Fabio, thank you for the work that you're doing. Thank you to your Thanks. team and uh, all, all your business partners for the work that you're doing. And I'm looking forward to seeing you in the next interview. Thank you, Simone. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for uh, watching or listening. Uh, one favor, one big favor I need to ask you. Uh, if you enjoy this interview, then leave us a review for two different reasons. One, for the guests, so they know the impact that they're making. Secondly, it helps uh, uh, the, the show to grow. The more reviews we get, the more listeners we get. So if you are listening on iTunes or another podcasting platform, leave us a review. It means a lot. It helps the show I really appreciate it. And also, it's really good for my ego, which is the third reason why. And uh, you will have my love and gratitude for the rest of your life. You might not care, but you will have it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, time to wrap up. I'll see you next time for another episode of Simone uh, of uh, um, Explode Your Expert Business Show. (laughs) I'll see you next time. Ciao. 
Thank you for listening to Explode Your Expert Business Show. If you enjoyed the interview, please subscribe to the show and leave us a review. Every week we will select the winner from the reviews that we get. So it might be you. Make sure you give us a review. It means the world to us and that's how we, you can help us grow the show. Also remember to download the Expert Business Checklist to get the roadmap on how to become an authority in your field. The link is in the show notes or you can visit gtex.events forward slash expert iPhone checklist. So it's gtex.events forward slash expert iPhone checklist. And as well, finally, if you want to receive daily support in your coaching and speaking business or explore how we can work together, join our private Facebook group, Explode Your Expert Biz. Again, you can find it on Facebook at Explode Your Expert Biz or the link is in the show notes. Thank you very much for listening. And until next time, remember that together we grow exponentially.